This is TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Over 2 million men worldwide choose Manscaped for all their below-the-waist needs. For those that love the Lawnmower 3.0, well, I got news for you. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all through additional guards lengths, sizes one through four. And looks wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil stamp, black chrome Manscaped logo. Show your moral off loud and proud. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code State of Saints, and you will save 20% off of the Lawnmower 4.0, as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. What's going on, Who That Nation? It is your truly TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Thank you so much for spending your time with yours truly. Hope everybody had a good weekend. We're recording this show on a Monday, so thank you so much, okay? And right now, on this edition we're going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, if you have not heard, the New Orleans Saints are interviewing and uh, flew in uh, cornerback Drake Kirp, uh, Kirkpatrick. Uh, some of you probably familiar with Drake Kirkpatrick. If you uh, followed the SEC, you know that he was uh, a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide back in the day. Uh, he was a really good cornerback. He's a two-time uh, BCS national champion with the Alabama Crimson Tide. He was drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals, where he spent the most, the majority of his career. Uh, he's a guy with a lot of upside. He's 6'2", 190 pounds. He's one of those guys that, you know, that is very, very, uh, you know, lengthy. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy that can play man corner. And the Saints are going to bring him in to talk to him and interview him and see if they can actually work some things out. And you know, you're looking at I'm looking at Drake Kirkpatrick's stats here. I got him right in front of me. Uh, he has 72 pass deflections in his career, 13 interceptions, and two defensive touchdowns. So I mean, he played the majority of his career with the Cincinnati Bengals, which means they drafted him and they gave him another contract before they finally uh, let him go, and he went to the Arizona Cardinals, and he had three interceptions with the Arizona Cardinals. 
look, this guy is a little bit younger. Uh, you know, he's 31 years old, still in his 30s. Uh, but uh, when I look at a guy like Drake Kirkpatrick, I think that he would be a good fit uh, for the New Orleans Saints, especially uh, being a man, uh, man covers corner. And that's something that the Saints um, are looking for. You know, the Saints are looking for somebody to replace uh, Janoris Jenkins. And Janoris Jenkins was around the same age as Drake Kirkpatrick, you know, so he was around 32, uh, 33 years old or something like that. So Dre is 31, and I think that he can bring something to the table. I think him being opposite of Marshawn Lattimore uh, would be uh, pretty good. Now, Drake Kirkpatrick isn't a guy that I would consider a lockdown, shutdown corner, but what he is is a guy that can give you that size that you need to be able to match up uh, with some of these talented wide receivers that they have in the NFC South. Uh, do I feel like the Saints can get him? Absolutely. Um, I think that the New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, if they bring him in and they tell him the things that they would have him to do and it involves him uh, being a key part of their defense, I can see him coming in. Well, this isn't the only place that Drake Kirkpatrick has visited. He has visited other uh, NFL teams as well. Uh, he left without a contract. So right now, to me, it just seems like he is just trying to weigh out his options. I don't know exactly what Drake Kirkpatrick is asking for. I don't know if he's asking for a certain amount of money and maybe the teams that he went to won't oblige, or maybe he's just trying to see what the market is for him before he finally makes his decision. But regardless, uh, I think that the New Orleans Saints would be a good place for Drake Kirkpatrick. I think that the the the, uh, the, the element, the atmosphere, the, the camaraderie of the team would be beneficial to him. And not to mention that his uh, secondary coach is arguably one of the best uh, coaches in football when it comes to the secondary and Chris Richard. I think that Chris Richard being the secondary's coach makes it more and more appealing to some of these secondary players that are free agents, especially when you look at guys like a Drake Kirkpatrick and also guys like a Richard Sherman. And this also gives you an idea when you hear names like Richard Sherman and hear names like Drake Kirkpatrick, what the Saints are actually looking for. And not to mention Paulson Adebo. They're looking for these tall, lengthy guys, you know, that can be able to match up with the Antonio Browns and the Calvin Ridleys and the Mike Evans of the world, the guys that will be able to match up with guys like that. So it just seems like the Saints have an idea of what they actually want in the secondary, and he actually fits that mode. Would not surprise me at all if he signs with the New Orleans Saints. He was a guy that was on my list last year uh, when I was talking about some of the corners that could have came in for New Orleans Saints, Drake Kirkpatrick was definitely uh, one of those individuals, you know, was one of those individuals that I had on my list, a very short list. And I feel like he would be really, really good for the New Orleans Saints. So Drake Kirkpatrick, I mean, right now he's just, uh, you know, talking to the team. They're probably seeing if he's a good fit, if the money lines up, the opportunity lines up, but he would really be good for the New Orleans Saints. He's a guy uh, that is a, a gamer. And he's a guy that has a lot of experience being a nine-year pro. But thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. I'm going to go ahead and answer some of your questions that you may have. And we'll go ahead and take it from there. Josh says, oh, what if he's just asking for free time on SOTS? <laughs> well, um, I don't know if we're talking about Drake Kirkpatrick or not, but my, my platform is always open for, for anybody, you know, like, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick or any same fan around there, you know, I, I, you know, I have always got time for that. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see what happened to Richard Sherman. 
Well, I don't know if anything happened to Richard Sherman. Um, I don't know if it's just the fact that Richard Sherman is probably waiting for a training camp to start, or maybe he hasn't really talked or discussed anything with the New Orleans Saints. But I will say this, uh, as long as Richard Sherman is out there, the Saints have a better chance of getting him. Okay, when you start to roll into training camp and rolling towards the towards the beginning of the season, that's when guys are starting to, uh, you know, I won't say be desperate, but they're more open to listening to organizations because they want to play football. So it's closest they get to training camp. I feel like that's when you're probably going to find out what uh, what's going on with Richard Sherman. RJ Mason says, what's going on with Marshawn Lattimore? He's one of my favorite players. Uh, nothing's going on with him as far as I know right now. I uh, haven't heard anything about any suspensions or anything like that. So, I mean, as long as we don't hear anything, I guess it's a good thing. But I don't expect for the NFL not to do anything. Rather, it's a fine or a game being missed, especially uh, the situation that happened. I don't know if they're waiting for the season to start. I don't know if they're trying to do their own individual investigation to see if it's worth anything. But we'll find out as soon as the season starts if we're going to have Marshawn Lattimore but he he definitely will be missed if he missed some games because he is the Saints' number one corner. And regardless if you're a big fan of his or not, you have to say that the Saints are a much better secondary when he's out there. Jerry says, TJ, I agree with you and Uptown about the Richard Sherman move. I don't see it happening, but this move with Kirkpatrick will be much better. Well, I don't know about it being much better. You know, I, I just think that Drake Kirkpatrick is a guy who has a lot of size and length and, you know, and he's not – as fast as Richard Sherman. I can't say that he's a better defender than in Richard Sherman. The only thing that he has on his side versus what Richard Sherman does not have on his side is he's a little bit younger. And both of these guys aren't spring chickens. I mean, if you're looking at it according to the NFL standards, yes. According to everyday life standards, yes, these guys are spring chickens. But when it comes to the NFL, they are not. So you can't say, you know, oh, Richard Sherman's 33 Drake Kirkpatrick, 31. I mean, it's just a two-year difference. Don't matter. You know, to me, 30 is 30. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're 33 and another person is 34, guess what? You're still 30 years old. doesn't really matter to me. It matters what these guys can bring to the table. It matters who has more left in the tank. It matters who can make the best decisions to put the Saints at an advantage when the defense take the field. Now, if I'm a betting man and I'm a guessing man, to me, Richard Sherman would be a better choice then Drake Kirkpatrick. Not to say that Drake Kirkpatrick is a bad football player because he is not, but I'm looking at the knowledge that Richard Sherman has, the leadership that Richard Sherman had, the experience in big time games that Richard Sherman has had, and not to mention the experience that he had with Chris Richard, a guy that understands Richard Sherman, and Richard Sherman understands Chris Richard. So those particular dynamics make Richard Sherman more of an appealing choice. But if they can't get Richard Sherman, I mean, Drake Kirkpatrick is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he's he's a he's a solid. I'm not going to say that he's a great. I'm not going to say he's an elite cornerback, but he's a he's a he's a decent cornerback. It's not like, you know, he's going to knock your socks off or while you with, you know, what I'm saying just some all pro, uh, all pro play. But he still can give you a lot, a lot that you probably won't have at this particular time with, with who you have on this roster right now. He did say after his last game in Arizona last year that his next team will have to pay so you can take it for what is worth. Well, look, that that's this is the thing. This is the thing. What is your value? 
what is your value, man? I mean, look, I'm looking at some of these these statistics here. Um, I'm not looking at Drake or Patrick all pro. Um, I'm not looking at Drake or Patrick pro bowler. I'm not looking at Drake or Patrick first team, second team, NFL top 100. I'm not looking at any of these things right now. What I'm looking at is a six foot two, 190 pound guy with some decent stats that can keep you in the league. I'm going to say that again. What I'm looking at right now is a guy with some decent stats that can keep you in the league. All right. Now, we all know that everybody can't be Aaron Donald. Everybody can't be Cam Jordan. Everybody can't be Richard Sherman. Everybody can't be Revis or Jalen Ramsey. There's a spot in the lane for people that are average and above average in the National Football League. Once again, Drake Kirkpatrick is decent. There is a lane for him. Okay, there's a lane for a guy like Drake Kirkpatrick. It's not an all-pro lane or a pro bowl lane, but there's a lane where a guy can come in and make some plays. A guy that can help you when you're in a tight spot. Do I think that Drake Kirkpatrick is worth top dollar? No, I do not. I'm sorry. I like Drake Kirkpatrick, but he is not worth top dollar. I don't care if you had three interceptions. I don't care if you had a decent uh, season with Arizona. And I don't care if you did get a contract, another contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. It really does not matter. What teams look at uh, as, as unfair or as fair as it can be, when they go to the table when it comes to negotiations, they're looking for accolades. They're looking for what you have done that stands that makes you stand out among the rest. And I have to say, looking at these stats, it ain't making me make it make me believe that he stands out above the rest. If I'm having if I'm in the military, he's just a soldier in the line. I mean, he's not a you know, he he's not a guy that I look at as a as as like the sniper or something like that. You know, the guy, you know, that went to Iraq and you know what I'm saying, just completely just just turn things around. You know what I'm saying? I just look at him as just a, a, a crit, a, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a bold soldier in the army. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's not a, he's not Rambo. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not Chuck Norris and Delta Force, uh, you know, or anybody else out there. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he he's not, you know, a Chris uh, from the sniper. He's not a legendary sniper like that. He's just a guy that's in the army. That's, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, guys that are in the army, I mean, he, they, they still serve a purpose. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be a badass. I mean, you still serve a purpose. And that's what I look at when it comes to Drake or Patrick. Plain and simple. Uh, Ryan Dree, I agree with you. Uh, what's up, Jared Poor? Richard Sherman says what what happened was Peyton wouldn't let me have free <laughs> interviews on the State of the Saints podcast. Dude is stingy. <laughs> well, I, I doubt if that's the case, but I think as long as he's out there. You know, I think that the Saints are going to keep him close to the vest. I mean, because even though Drake Kirkpatrick is here, it's not a guarantee he's going to sign with the Saints. I mean, we see T.J. Curry, who was a younger, uh, very lengthy cornerback that didn't sign with the Saints, and they brought him in, so ain't no telling. Also, T.J., what is Chris Richard's history with improving DB's technique? I mean, he's done an outstanding job. You know what I'm saying? He's done an outstanding job with helping these guys, you know, be able to focus. Uh, you look at uh, he, he has done tremendous, uh, tremendous job with Earl Thomas, tremendous job with with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, uh, Brandon Browner. OK, you know, what I'm saying and I, I mentioned names like Brandon Browner because we all know what he was with the Saints versus what he was with the Seahawks. And also you can look at somebody like Byron Maxwell for those that be like, oh, well, Earl Thomas is all pro. Richard Sherman is all pro. They special. Well, Byron Maxwell wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? Byron Maxwell wasn't. He he wasn't a special player. 
I mean, Chris Richard got him paid out in Miami, and he was an absolute bust when it comes to free agency. Uh, Brandon Brown had him playing above average. Cam Chancellor was just another another story. You know what I'm saying? He was just a beast altogether. I mean, but Chris Richard has done an outstanding job, and not to mention some of those younger cornerbacks that came along. The reason why they were able to get rid of some of those guys like Browner and allow Browner to go to New England because you had a Maxwell and you had like some of these other young guys that he can learn. And then if when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at guys that were in their secondary, guys like uh, Jordan Lewis, uh, guys like, uh, uh, you know, I can't think of his name, but hey, his name is right off the tip of my tongue. But he ended up playing for the Cowboys. He had one of his best seasons. He ended up uh, being uh signed by the Miami Dolphins. I can't believe I don't remember this guy's name. I know his name is Byron. I can't think of his last name. But nevertheless, he's a guy that actually developed these guys into being a better player. Somebody help me out there. Uh what's the dude's name? Uh, what's his name? My- Myron what's his name? Myron or Byron? I think his name is Myron. Myron Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. Play for the Dallas Cowboys. But that's that's somebody that he helped develop too and helped him get paid some money. Uh, not Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell, he played for the Seahawks. I'm talking about he, the guy I'm talking about, Myron, Myron, Byron Jones. Byron Jones, thank you. Byron Jones. Byron Jones is somebody that struggled before Chris Rashard got there, and then he had one of his best seasons statistically as a man corner, and it got him paid uh, in Miami. So thank you all. Byron Jones, that's his name. Thank you all so much. I couldn't think of his name for the life of me. I seen his face, but I couldn't think of his name. Light skinned cat out of Connecticut. Uh, Kirkpatrick has less miles on uh, his body. Uh, he was basically a role player in special teams in the first one or two years of his of his uh, career. Uh, he would be a stopgap. Basically, can't get the job done. Nothing special. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, he wasn't a guy who who was going to knock your socks off with elite cornerback play. But what he is is a guy that has a lot of size that can be disruptive and it also can be that placeholder. Because, look, check this out. You sign this guy to a one year deal. By this time, you probably have Paulson or Debo out there. You already know that you're going to sign Marshawn Lattimore. You already know that. So you're going to have your one two punch for the next three to four years. So this guy can be a placeholder, allow him to just be on the opposite side of Marshawn Lattimore and help uh, Paulson Adebo develop into the cornerback that you want him to be, and no harm, no foul. You know, like, and even in between there, you can actually alternate between both of these guys. You can alternate between a Drake Kirkpatrick and a Paulson Adebo. Look, Paulson Adebo is going to get a lot of playing time. He's going to get a lot of playing time this year, man. I, I don't Unless he, he gets hurt or something happens, and I'm knocking on wood saying this, I don't want him to get hurt. But at the same time, if, if he does not, he's going to play a significant role. This kid is smart, man. This guy is talented. I, I don't know if y'all actually looked at the tape, checked out the highlights, look at this guy's uh, body language, the way that he speaks. He's a very confident kid. He's very confident. He's very sure about who he is and what he wants. He know he wants to be great. And he's a guy, to me, who can actually fill that void, man, can fill that void that we're missing. All he needs to me is a coach that believes in him. And he's coming in at the right time because honestly, as much respect I have for Aaron Glenn as a coach, as a motivator, as a man, and how much respect that he has as far as from the players to him, 
I don't feel like he's a better teacher than he is a motivator. He did a really good job at getting these guys that were below average or even average at best to believe they were more than that. But what he didn't do is he wasn't a really good teacher to me. He wasn't a guy that taught technique. He was a guy that actually built up these guys' confidence more so than actually built up their game. There's a difference between he and Chris Rashard. Chris Rashard is a teacher. He's not only just a motivator, but he's a teacher. He's a guy that can teach technique. He's a guy that actually teaches physicality. All those Thursday practices in Seattle taught him to be competitive, taught him to teach these guys to have an edge. And for those that don't follow the Seattle Seahawks, every Thursday they have competitive Thursdays. And these guys are really going at it. I mean, they're tackling. They're being physical, like as if they're on a game on Sunday. These guys are really going at it. And Chris Richard comes from that Pete Carroll coaching tree. He's a guy that understands that I got to teach this guy technique. I need to teach this guy physicality. And I need to teach this guy to play with confidence. Those are the three elements that I feel Chris Richard had. Aaron Glenn had two, but he was missing that third, which is teaching these guys technique to me. Okay, he taught him physicality. He taught him to be physical. He taught him to be confident. But he didn't teach him technique. With Chris Richard, I feel like you get all three. And you get the best out of those players. You know, and that's that's the one thing that I respect from a Chris Richard. And I feel like that's something that, that he's going to be able to bring to the table. Look, make no mistake about it. Chris Richard coming to the New Orleans Saints is a little bit of a blessing in disguise for the Saints. It's a blessing in disguise because this guy could easily be somebody's head coach, okay? Don't don't know why this guy was, wasn't was uh, interviewed for a head coaching job. Rob Marinelli, to me, when he was on the Cowboys coaching staff alongside Chris Richard, to me, he was kind of just a guy that was just there, okay? It was almost like, you know, when Joe Paterno, the last couple of years when he was at Penn State, it was his linebackers and, and other coaches that was coaching the team. He just became a little bit more of a figurehead. Rob Marinelli was just dead. Chris Richard was the guy that was on the sidelines. He was the guy that was pushing those guys. He was the guys that were telling them to play with intensity. He was the guy that was getting the best out of guys like uh, Jalen, you know what I'm saying, like Jalen Jones and and, and, and Lathan Vander Esch and Jordan Lewis and guys like that and, and Byron Jones. He was the one that was getting that out of those guys. So to me, the Saints got something special because not only are they getting a guy that's good with the secondary, they're getting a guy that could possibly be the replacement if Dennis Allen gets another coaching opportunity. And I I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I, w- I would not be upset. If, if Chris Richard was still with the New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen ends up getting an opportunity going into the 2022 football season, I would not be upset. And I don't think you should be either because to me, I think the Saints will be in good hands. And this was a good hire by Sean Payton. Very good hire. The, uh, the, the biggest shock to me when it comes to Chris Richard was the fact that he didn't have a job all last season. I don't know what the hell is going on with the NFL. I don't know why this guy didn't have a job. If you look at this guy statistically, if you look at this guy in a way that he can get the best out of guys that are below average or average players and make them play at such a high level, don't know why he wasn't on somebody's coaching staff. You know? This is a guy who has that assistant manager type mentality, you know, when it comes to like the NFL. Okay. He's like the assistant manager and he got the store manager over here. The store manager get all the credit, but the assistant manager is the one that's making the store run. He's the one that stands those extra hours. 
He's the one that's checking that extra inventory. He's the one that's telling that store manager, you need to do this, this, that, and the third. And he's not getting all the credit, but he's that, that person that their head coach or that store manager wish that would never leave the store. That is who he is. That is who Chris Richard is. He is a guy that is very, very special and very, very underrated as a coach. And the Saints are lucky to have him. I don't trust P-Rob or P.J. Williams. I don't think nobody trusts them when it comes to them being on the outside. Now, Pete, now Patrick Robinson, maybe a couple of games, but that's not a place that I feel that he needs to stay consistently. That's not a place that I feel like he needs to remain. All right. There's a couple games, you know, when he when they played Detroit and they had PJ on one side and Patrick Robinson on the other. They did a pretty good job. You know, he caught the interception, sealed the deal of the game. But that's not a place that you want them to be. PJ Williams just needs to go ahead and just commit to being a safety. Plain and simple. He needs to commit to playing safety. That's that's PJ Williams' role. That's what PJ Williams' bread is going to be buttered. If he wants to con- continue and remain in the league, he should try to be a safety. And the Saints did him a service by switching him to safety and have him playing the nickel and the dime packages because that is what he does best. Patrick Robinson is a really good nickel corner. That's what I said, and I didn't stutter when I said it. He's a very good nickel corner. He's good at the nickel. That's the reason why when he was in Philadelphia, he was so successful. According to Pro Football Football Focus back in 2017, Patrick Robinson was the number one nickel corner in the National Football League. That was why the Saints brought him in. That's why the Saints brought him back. They, They wanted him to play nickel. They had Eli Apple at the time, and they had Marshawn Lattimore, and they wanted Patrick Robinson to play the nickel alongside Patrick Robinson. But lo and behold, you find yourself with C.D. Deuce, and he comes in as a blessing in disguise, not only a guy that can play, uh, you know, that can play safety, but also can play the nickel as well. So what happens? You have to figure out what you want to do with P.J. Williams. P.J. Williams, above average tackler. A guy that can that that gonna make that tackle on that tight end that running back, not the fastest guy in the world. Let's make him a safety. And it worked out for him. So that's the place that he needs to be. As long as he's not on outside, uh PJ Williams isn't a bad nickel and he's not a bad safety. Terrible outside corner. Terrible, terrible. Don't put him there. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a Fred Thomas hap- um Fred Thomas situation waiting to happen. It's a Jason Davis situation waiting to happen. But when it comes to the safety position, he's fine. What up, TJ? Who that? What's going on, man? Appreciate you for being here. Rudy says, do you think P-Rob should be a safety or nickel corner? I think he should be a nickel corner, Rudy. That's that's my honest opinion. He he thrives there. Chris Richard loves tall cornerback. Remember, he had Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner, and Byron Maxwell. Hey, I remember that, Dalton. Yeah, they, they, they were the Legion of Boom. Um, they were the Legion of Boom. Yeah, th- that's when a lot of teams start to model their secondary after the Legion of Boom. But those guys were extremely talented. So talented. The host, happy Monday to you. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for being here. What up, TJ and the Who That Nation? What's going on, Rod? Rod, thank you for being here. Playing slot is the best spot for sure. Yeah, slot corner for PJ Williams is the best. Anything else? In the words of Charles Barkley, would be uncivilized what up tj uh i just came on 
what made Drake Kilpatrick visit the Saints? Your thoughts on him? Uh, J-Rock, you're a li- I understand you're a little bit late, but I'll tell you. Um, solid player. Not n- not going to knock your socks off a of cornerback play. Probably going to have you pulling your, p- your head out a couple plays, but I think that he is a guy that can be solid. I think he's a guy that can be complimentary. I think he's a guy that can be a rotational guy. Uh, he's 6'2", 190 pounds, so you can't, you know, that, that that's something special when it comes to the cornerback position. A lot of these cornerbacks range between 5'10 and 6 feet tall, right? When you start to get guys like 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", you got yourself something because they can match up with some of these wide receivers that are 6'3", 6'4", because of their wingspan. If you're 6'1 and 6'2 and you got long arms, you probably got the wingspan of a guy like 6'4", 6'5", or maybe even 6'6". And you can match up with guys that are like 6'4", and be able to put your hands out there in order for you to make plays. You can stretch out, you know, when, when the ball is, is coming across the middle, stretch out, knock that ball away with them tall, long arms and those long fingers. So that is a plus. The problem is, even though he plays in man coverage, he's susceptible to getting beat. I mean, I'm just being honest, man. He's a physical guy. He's not going to quit on you, but he is susceptible to being beat. And that is something that is going to frustrate us as Saints fans, right? And and I'm I'm just being real. I'm not saying that he's going to get beat every play, but there are going to be some plays where you're wondering where he is. You know, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. Looking at him, evaluating him, and I've been watching this guy for a long time. I've been watching Drake Kirkpatrick since he was at Alabama. You know, he he had he had a lot of unanswered questions for me coming out of Alabama. But I, I realized he, that he was going to be a high draft pick. Why? Because during this time, this is when you started to see guys like the Richard Shermans and the Brandon Browners, the guys that Dalton alluded to. This is when you start to see those long, tall corners and teams start to see that, man, this is starting to work out. So guys like Drake Kirkpatrick, guys like this were, were trying to get drafted because they were trying to find – guys that had the same similar size and build of those guys out there in Seattle but he was not one of those guys you know he he was he was good at, at Alabama I'm not going to take that away from him. but there was some unanswered questions man I seen some 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 games he did get beat and when he went up against guys that were like borderline elite guys that were extremely talented he had a tough time at Alabama so I mean good not great you know i mean he he's a starter he's a solid starter that's the best way i can i can i can tell you solid what up tj good afternoon have a good afternoon colorado i appreciate that thank you why would we let jack rabbit go money couldn't afford him plain and simple it, this is a this is a business man this is a business dudes want to get paid teams got to pay these players if they don't Guys got to go. Saints had to do what was best for the team going forward. To save room and salary cap. That's right. The right for for safety. Uh, who do you have after Malcolm Jenkins? Yeah, you got Marcus Williams. Um, uh, I want to say, like I said, PJ. You have CJ Gardner Johnson, who's also a safety, even though he plays nickel. Man, you, look, you you got some guys out there, and I'm pretty sure you you have some safety that they pretty much are going to sign. Saints are going to be okay at safety. I, I don't I don't look at that as being an issue. I mean, like I say, you got Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, C.J. Gardner Johnson, 
and the Saints play a little bit of a three safety set anyway, where you have corners that that almost play like that safety role. So the Saints will be okay. I don't I don't concern myself with that safety position. Merritt um, uh, Lattimore and Marcus Williams. We need Sherman. I don't know if we need Sherman. I just think that it would be beneficial if he was here. For me to say that the Saints need Sherman, I I I, I would have to say I would be lying to you. I don't think the Saints need him. Okay, uh, I think that he would be beneficial, far as like his his knowledge and his ability, and his talent and his and his you know and maybe his mentorship to some of those younger corners, but they don't need him. They can't afford anyone right now. If they're bringing guys in for visits, maybe they could close to extension for our guys like Ram. And that's one thing, Slim, you have to understand. The Saints aren't looking at the league or looking at their contracts like we're doing it because they understand that they're going to sign Lattimore, Ram, Check, Williams. Those guys are going to free up some, some cap space. So we're looking at it like, oh, man, all hope is lost. Oh, war is me. But these guys are in there trying to figure things out. And they understand once you extend – these these core players out then that makes room for other guys to come in that you can sign that is the key right that is that is what the saints are trying to do so for us to feel like all hope is lost or the fact that oh the saints don't have money no that ain't true the saints for years have been turning uh you know been turning sugar from you know what right for years well, we thought hope is lost, and everybody in NFC South and rival teams have told us it's over for y'all. Look at y'all salary cap. Saints were what about a hundred and some million dollars over the cap. Now they're under the cap. How do they do that? How do they do that? You ever thought about that? And, and when you think about it, why are we complaining or why are we upset about it? That, that's all I want to know. Because we've seen this team still make some moves and still still be formidable think about this like who did the saints really truly lose all right we talk about janoris jenkins right we talk about janoris okay he did a good job good solid job but at the same time i mean before he was here they had eli apple that was here we had other uh, corners that came in saints still made the playoffs we had ken crawley over there and the saints made the playoffs saints went to the divisional round like, oh, we don't have Emmanuel Sanders no more. Guess what? We didn't have Emmanuel Sanders the year we went to the, you know, went to the NFC Championship. You know what I'm saying? The Saints still find a way to make things happen. Oh, oh, we we don't have, you know, like Sheldon Rankin. Sheldon Rankin's been hurt the last couple of seasons. That's the reason why we know how good shot Tuttle, Malcolm Roach, and David Ayamato is. So if we're looking at, like, oh, we need this, we need that, every single time we're going to, pull our hair out but we need to start having an appreciation for how good this team has has been when it comes to the coaching the saints have lost one of the most important people on their team due to injury and the saints still went to the playoffs and they still were winning games that's what i don't understand the saints had drew Brees on the sideline hurt for multiple games any other team that lost their starting quarterback will probably have taken a step back. We can make an argument that when Drew Brees went out, the Saints actually played pretty doggone good. They probably played better. Defensively, they did. How is that? How is that, TJ? 
well, how, how did that happen? It's because of the coaching. It's because of the coaching, man. Like, I don't lose sleep looking at the fact that the Saints won't be formidable. I, I just don't. Depth is very important on the defensive line. Lasko beats Davenport may have a great year uh, potentially. Uh, depth is very important. Yeah, on the defensive line. I agree. But at the same time, I, I just don't understand, like, why we just losing sleep. Trey Hendrickson, much I like him, 13 and a half sacks. But here's the thing. Trey Hendrickson isn't in New Orleans right now and probably didn't get a big contract in New Orleans because he was always hurt. How do I know how good Carl Granderson can be? How do I know how good, you know, you know, Cam Jordan is, Malcolm Roach is, Dave Yamati is? How do I know how good some of these other guys are coming in? It's because these guys are always hurt. Davenport, always hurt. Trey Henderson, liked him, but he was always hurt. Could add 20 sacks if he stayed healthy. I just think that when we start thinking like this, we don't have confidence in the coaching staff. But it's the coaching staff that put this team together collectively to help us and made us believe in these guys. Period. We need this guy on the squad. Great addition. Depth is very important already. Red that Kai says uh, at the linebacker position, do you see Zach Pointer, Pete Warner as a better option uh, playing next to Demario Davis this upcoming season? Yeah, I do. First off, I'm not going to dismiss and write off Zach Bourne because I don't know what Zach Bourne can do. And, and I think that's what we're doing. Like, we want instant gratification. That, that is what that is our main issue with Zach Bourne. We want instant gratification. If a guy ain't coming out there looking like Ray Lewis or, or the, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor in a first year, all of a sudden we feel like that person is a failure. But here's a new flash, ladies and gentlemen. There's a guy on the Saints team in the first couple of years, wasn't very good. And his name is Cameron Jordan. And later on down the line, he developed as being one of the best defensive ends the Saints have ever had. And a couple, a few more sacks, he could possibly be looking at a Hall of Fame berth. I can't just write a guy off because he didn't give me what I wanted in his first year. See, that is our expectations. That is what we expect from a guy. If a guy doesn't come in lighting the league up and taking it by storm, all of a sudden we're ready to put him in bus territory. And we're not understanding that guys can take more time than others to develop. I don't know what Zach Bond can do. All I know is Zach Bond was a guy at, at Wisconsin that was mostly known for putting his hand on the ground. He was a guy that was rushing the quarterback. He was the guy that was getting the sacks. He was the guy that was being a disruptor. And the Saints tried to develop him and make him be a stand-up linebacker. Well, guess what? It takes time for that. Everybody is not going to just become an overnight success. So I don't know if he's going to pan out. I don't know if he's going to pan out. You look at somebody like Pete Warner. This guy's a three-year uh, three starter. He played, started off on special teams. He's a three-year captain, excuse me. He was a captain three years. He's well-respected among Ohio State. He's a guy that was sideline to sidelines, and he gives you a lot of heart and a lot of passion. Now, will that be a first-year uh, type of you know, defensive player of the year, borderline beast out there? I do not know, but I do know this that it takes some guys time to develop. Some guys come in right away and start giving you what you want. 
But there are other times where guys need some time to develop. And I'm not ready to write a guy off, you know what I'm saying, based on him not giving me what I wanted at that particular time. I just think that sometimes we're so quick to call a guy a bust or label a guy a bust and label him a failure. I see guys in the chat like I cannot believe that people would actually fit their damn mouth to even say this. But you got people questioning Michael Thomas ability because he was given a contract. Like, like, seriously, it's like guys can't like get hurt or a guy can't take a, you know, what I'm saying be dealing or with, with an injury. And if they do, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Like, are we not looking at the, the fact that Michael Thomas every single year as a New Orleans Saints wide receiver, he's gotten better? Have we not looked at that? How can we fix our mouth and our lips to even question this guy's determination, question this guy's heart, question this guy's skill set? But that's just how we do it. Because we look at these players and sometimes we we don't understand the nuances and the ins and outs of how football actually works. Because the only thing we're looking at it is from I want to feel like a winner when I'm going to work on Monday. And this guy right here gives me a better chance to feel like a winner when I go to work on, on Monday. Bump all that. Anybody that can question a guy like Michael Thomas tells me everything you need to know. It tells me everything I need to know about an individual like that. We're so emotionally involved and wrapped up in these players that we don't understand that things happen. Everybody is not going to go out here starting off being a bona fide certified beast. It takes development. It takes time. I know when, when Mark Ingram ended up leaving New Orleans, going to Baltimore, you had a lot of Saints fans out here that were upset about that situation, but go back and fast forward maybe a couple years back further and see if, if, if Mark Ingram would have got signed by the Baltimore Ravens where we have that same type of energy. It takes guys time in order for them to figure it out. Or maybe we just don't feel like we have time, right? Because we want to feel like a winner. Well, it don't always work like that, folks, and I'm sorry. But that's just the harsh reality of it. Some guys are going to be able to come off the bus, be a beast like Alvin was. And some guys are going to take some time to develop like Cam did. So let, let's give these guys an opportunity. You know, guys are going to get hurt. Do you understand that? Is this a National Football League? Do you understand that guys get hurt? But this is the thing. This is the reason why we don't look at it that way, because we'll look at a guy like Cameron Jordan, who never gets hurt. And we'll compare him to a guy like Marcus, Marcus Davenport, who always hurt. We'll look at a guy like, you know, uh, you know, Demario Davis, who came in, was really good. And we'll compare him to Zach Bond, who is a young kid trying to develop as a player. But it's not our fault, man. It's just the way that things are. That's just the way that our, our minds are, are, are constructed. Mickey Loomis is a great at turning a uh, dog food into chicken salad. Yeah, basically, basically he really is. Uh, they'll be very formidable. I, I just hope the injury bug doesn't hit us. Out of Caden Ellis, Zach Bond, Pete Warner, uh, who do you think will win the job? Uh, Pete Warner. Pete Warner is more ready. Pete Warner is a guy that, that, that does everything. The, see, thing about Caden Ellis, he didn't do everything at Idaho. Thing about Zach Bowen, he didn't do everything at Wisconsin. You had a guy like Pete Warren that played special teams. He was a guy that 
you know, that they sent on the sack. He was a guy that, that, that guarded tight ends and running backs. He did it all. They didn't ask Zach Bourne to guard tight ends and running backs at Wisconsin. They asked him to sack the quarterback. They asked him to put his hand on the ground. The majority of the stabs he took was him with his hand on the ground rushing the quarterback. Caden Ellick was a guy, you know what I'm saying, was just sideline to sideline guy. Made those tackles. Oh, you want to run the football? Well, yeah, we playing out here in the snow. Can't throw the football all the time. Let me go ahead and just make this tackle. Solid tackler. So you got to help these guys. But me, if, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, it's Pete Warner. Because he, he, he's, he's capable of doing everything right then and there, right now. Not to mention, he played on a higher level. He played in some of those bigger games. And to me, I just don't think the light the lights will be as bright. I'm not too worried about our 53-man roster. We were built as a Super Bowl caliber team, and we still are. One, even though uh, we lost some key players. We lost more depth more than we lost other starters. See, that's the thing. This, how the, the, this is how the league goes. You lose players. You know, it's a salary cap, so you're going to lose players. I understand. <clears throat> the Saints last year, they were a very deep team. We fell in love with the depth. We fell in love with the fact that, oh, somebody comes down, we get another guy in here, barely even lose any type of production. I get it. But you don't always have that opportunity. That is why this is a win-now league. Back in 2017, when the Saints had arguably, I don't feel like it's arguably, but some people would say arguably, the greatest draft class, in NFL history, when you had guys all over the place that came in, plugged in, and gave you production over those from 2017 to last year, that was your window because all that production that you're getting from those first day starters that you got from the draft, the clock is now ticking and you have to do something with those guys. The Saints won a lot of games, went to the playoffs. But they didn't have any Super Bowl appearances. So guess what? That, who that nation is a failure. It is a failure. We, right now, folks, are recipients of failure to get to the main goal. Your feelings you feel right now is because the Saints failed to get to where they needed to be, where they were supposed to be. So anything like understand this, you look at these championship teams, right? You look at let's just take the Seahawks, for example, right? I'm just using them because they're they're the more relevant thing. We've been talking about Drake or Patrick size and Richard Sherman. So they're just on my mind right now. Let's look at the Seattle Seahawks. They went to the, the they went to the Super Bowl, blew out. I mean, completely blew out. The Denver Broncos, they lost Brandon Megan, Brandon Mebane, who was the defensive tackle. They lost Byron Maxwell, who was the corner. They lost Brandon Browner, who was the cornerback. They lost Malcolm Smith, who was the Super Bowl MVP to the Raiders. You lost all these guys. Why? Because they constructed their team over the last three to four years in order for them to get to that particular point. They were successful. And they got the job done. So it's not as bad. 
Because think about this, folks. Think about this, who that nation. We sit up here and we've been doing several shows since the offseason has started. How would you feel right now? We've been talking about, oh, we might lose this, or we lost Emmanuel Sanders, Quan Alexander. We can't sign him back, Janora Jenkins. How would you feel if the New Orleans Saints were coming off a Super Bowl championship and lost these players? I guarantee you, you want the Saints to win. Don't get me wrong. But I guarantee you, your energy would be completely different. It would be completely different because there's a level of understanding that you would have to say, hey, well, we know that we weren't going to keep these guys. We, you know, at least we won a Super Bowl in the deal. Well, folks, the reason you don't feel that way today is because the Saints didn't get the job done. The Saints since 2017 had an opportunity to get the job done and they did not. That is why your anxiety is at at an all-time high. That is why we're trying to nitpick every particular position. That is why when guys leave, we are stressing ourselves out about how we're going to replace them. But we have to be able to trust the coaching staff, the same coaching staff who constructed this team for us to believe in in the first place. Who that nation? I get it. I get it, man. But it's a business. It's a salary cap. The Saints were in win-now mode. All those Drew Brees supporters out there, all those Drew Brees lovers understand, man, the Saints were trying to win because they knew what some of us didn't know until a couple months ago, that Drew Brees' time was almost up, and they knew for a fact that they were not going to get that type of elite quarterback play every single season. And when he's gone, they're going to have to build up a guy to give them remotely, remotely the talent, the skill set, and an elite quarterback ability than Drew gave them. They went for broke. They went for broke, folks. That is why we feel the way that we do. Don't feel bad. Don't feel upset, but it is what it is. We need a fresh cornerback in the rotation. Why not get Drake Kirkpatrick? Uh, He would be a great addition. Richard Sherman seems like he doesn't care to join us. I don't want to say he don't care to join us. Casual, it's a business. It's a business. It's a business, man. Now, it's nothing personal, man. Casual, if you work for AT&T, right, you work for AT&T. You put some money into AT&T, some time into AT&T. All of a sudden, Verizon calls you and say, you know what? Casual, we would love for you to come work for Verizon. We have stock options for you. Got a couple, you know what I'm saying? We got a we got a couple extra dollars that you was making, you know what I'm saying? More money that you was making at AT&T. We even give you another phone, man. And we also give you, I don't know, all these different perks. What are you going to say? say where do i sign you know what i'm saying it's nothing personal you're not gonna be mad at AT at&t it's business it's business it's about money see man look we love the florida league we love it when we see the florida league when we see the black and gold take the field we lose our mind 
we in a living room we pulling out the the umbrella doing a benson boogie but guess what folks everybody don't have that same energy when it comes to the saints this is a business this is a business folks and and, and guys want to make sure that they're financially stable this is a tough business the nfl guys are getting hurt guys are getting concussed guys are, you know what i'm saying and they want to make sure that they're setting themselves up for life outside of football because guess what your life is going to last longer than you playing the game of football so i can't say i blame richard sherman for wanting to hear what other teams have to say before i finally make my decision or hell do i even feel like it's worth me going out here to play it's not like richard sherman is chopped liver if if richard sherman retires today he's going to the hall of fame he's a multi-time all pro he's a super bowl champion he was arguably one of the greatest cornerbacks in the past decade so i don't feel like it is is you know him trying to you know trying to diss the saints or dismiss the saints i just feel like hey the man looking at it from a business standpoint football is a business they say all these right things and we fall in love with these players oh my goodness they they say all these things they 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 make it seem like they're on capitol hill say all the right things do the right things take pictures of themselves holding babies kissing babies passing out lunches and all that kind of stuff and we fall in love with these guys but guess what man if these agents come to these boys and say, man, you know what? The New Orleans Saints don't want to give you the amount of money that you have. But I did hear something from the Green Bay Packers. And they said that they want to give you this many years and this much money. Where do I sign? It's a business, folks. And as soon as we allow ourselves to accept the fact that this is a business, the better. Kirkpatrick gets burnt a lot, too. A lot of cornerbacks get burnt a lot. A lot. A lot of cornerbacks get burnt a lot. There's only a few, there's a reason why when you look at the NFL, there's only a few guys that we look at as shutdown corners. You know, those guys are special because more times than not, they don't get burnt because the other guys do. Drake Kirkpatrick is another PJ Williams. I disagree with that. I disagree. Yes, the draft class was fired. Uh, TJ, you on fire, bro. Salute. Kevin, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for being here. Kirkpatrick was getting toast and sensey. Um, yeah, that's what I said. He's, he's susceptible to getting burnt. Look, I, I, I want us to answer this question once and for all. I want us to answer this question once and for all. What is your definition? of a, a true cornerback what does this cornerback have to do does this mean that game in game out they're not supposed to allow nothing on the board like nothing in the statistical category what is your definition of a true really good corner what what is that i would like to know because when i hear people talk not everybody and i'm not talking about anybody in general here but when I hear people talk about cornerback play, it seems to me that their definition of a, a, a true cornerback is a guy who never gives up a play. Never. Like, anything that comes his way, they bat it away. Anytime the ball is in the air, it don't get caught. I need to know what is your definition 
of a true cornerback? What does he need to consist of? Because to me, I look at these wide receivers, and and I and I feel like that is so freaking unfair. Because here's the thing: if Michael Thomas was going up against Jalen Ramsey, and he was given the best of Jalen Ramsey, you know what I'm saying? Like we st- like the next week, we would still be. Man, we need a cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, despite the fact that he just got toasted and humiliated by Michael Thomas. See, they good as long as our as long as our wide receiver get the best of them. Oh, he cool. But as long as he beat everybody else, you got elite wide receiver play everywhere you look. In the NFC South, Calvin Ridley is a beast. Mike Evans is a beast. Chris Godwin is a beast. Antonio Brown is a beast. DJ Moore is pretty good. I'm not going to say he's a beast, but he can get there. Robbie Anderson is pretty doggone good. This is some good wide receiver play that you have in the NFC South. And guys are going to be susceptible of getting toasted. It's just what it is. I don't look at a guy being a failure. I don't go into a game and having a conditional love and support for a cornerback based on the downs. First down, he get, the ta- he get the tackle or he deflect the ball. Oh, he a beast. Second down, he do the same thing. Yeah, he cool. Third down, they convert the first down. Oh, he suck. What the heck is this? Guys are going to get beat. Period. That don't, that don't define, that don't make a guy suck. That don't make a guy trash. It does not. Their technique makes them trash. You know what I'm saying? Their, their, their ball skills can make them trash. But if a guy is out there for three quarters holding it down, fourth quarter, quarterback starting to get in desperation mode, throw the ball down the field and do catch it. Oh, he sucked. No, he don't. Wide receiver just made a play in crunch time. What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I don't look at that. Lock down every everything on a week to week basis, like Ramsey. Wait, week to week basis. Okay, week to week basis. All right, that's fine. Jalen Ramsey. It, it's Jalen Ramsey not a shutdown corner because he got humiliated and roasted and toasted by Devontae Adams in a divisional round of playoffs. Right? Uh, is he is he not an elite cornerback because he got roasted and toasted by Antonio Brown? Is he not? Uh, in the cornerback because he was out there getting worked by T.Y. Hilton for the Indianapolis Colts for a couple of years. Uh, Steve Smith got the best of him. Is he not? I mean, let, let's go down the list. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he is, you know what I'm saying? He is an elite cornerback. But even the best, the creme de la creme. I see Tramal saying Revis, but Revis was getting worked by Moss. For every person that we can talk about, every person that we can name, there's going to be a situation that I'm pretty sure if you do your YouTube due diligence, these guys got work. I mean, that don't defi- that is not a deal breaker to me. I'm sorry. It is not a deal breaker. Everybody is not going to be Revis. Everybody is not going to be Ramsey. Everybody is not going to be Neon Deion Sanders. There's a lane for these guys. It's about technique. It's about ball skills. It's about winning, you know what I'm saying, your matchups more times than not. I'm cool with it. 
I don't want you to be no Fred Thomas type guy. I don't want you to be no Jason Smoke Turkey David. Nothing like that. But dang, I, I, I would understand if guys getting beat and worked by guys who are arguably some of the best talented and most athletic receivers to ever play. I would expect a guy to get worked by Odell Beckham. You know what I'm saying? I would expect for a guy, if you know what I'm saying, if he has like a shortcoming, right? If he's going up against short shifted guys and he struggled, I expect for him to. But that don't mean that he's a bad cornerback. I can't do that. I, I don't my definition of a, a corner, a good corner is not a guy who gets who shuts down the field every single week. Because how many of those guys they actually have there who their nation? How many guys do we have? TJ. When you're doing another show, I enjoy your show, bro. Keep pushing. God's got you, bro. I enjoy your shows. RJ, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. A dominant running game covers all uh, uh, covers a lot of holes on any football team. If we ran the ball more, Breeze would have more than one Super Bowl. I 100% disagree with that. I'm sorry, Terrence. I do. Because the running game, to me, was not an issue. Um, capitalizing on turnovers for the last couple of years have not has been an issue for the New Orleans Saints. Being not being able to put the nail in the proverbial coffin has been an issue for the New Orleans Saints. Now we can make an argument back in the day, Terrence. Here's where I feel like the argument. Now I, let, me, let me take that back because there's some validity behind what you're saying. I'm looking at I'm looking at it from recently. Back in the day, Terrence, you're absolutely right. If they would have ran the football in a prime Drew Brees, uh, prime Drew Brees years, you're absolutely right. If they would have waited, if they wouldn't have waited so long to get rid of some of Sean Payton's good friends who couldn't coach defensively, you're absolutely right. The last couple years, I disagree with that. Back in the days, like when Drew Brees was in his prime and he was out there just throwing that ball down the field. Terrence, you're absolutely right. If they would have ran the football and had a substandard, I ain't going to even say above, but a substandard, you know what I'm saying, average, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to say substandard because that's that's still below. Uh, 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 a little bit above average defense. A little bit above average defense and, a, and, a, and, a, and some running game. In a running game, I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with what you're saying, Terrence. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. But these last couple of years, no. Defense was good. Running game was good. But Alvin Kamara and, and, and uh, Mark Ingram add uh, Latavius Murray into the mix. There was nothing wrong with this running game. Drew Brees just reached a part of his career where he just could not lead the team where they needed to be and that was the lack of arm strength and the lack of the ability to get the ball down the field and teams no longer respected the deep threat or down the field passing game of the new orleans saints and that has been what has been holding the saints back over the last couple of years but sean payton not letting go of his friends sean payton inability to see that his defense was struggling because his homeboys were here and not, not putting a running game, not putting a defense, and just relying on Drew Brees way, way too much cost them. So, Terrence, you're absolutely right. Prime Drew Brees, this statement is absolutely right. Twilight Drew Brees, 
I have to disagree, but you're, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I had to take, I had to take that back, Terrence. I had to take that back. Terrence is absolutely right. Prime Drew Brees probably would have had more Super Bowls if if Sean Payton would have got out of his own way and put his ego in check. He put his ego in check, it would have been fine. Being able to play on an island, everybody can't play on the island. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, like I said, foolish. Good point. That is the definition of a, a true shutdown corner. I mean, I, I look, I have no issue with that. Um, you're absolutely right. But how many guys can do it? How many guys can do it, foolish? How many guys week in, week out, game in, game out, can put a guy on the island, shut him down week after week, game after game? Not many. And there's a reason why we look at Revis. There's a reason why Revis is bought up and Revis haven't played football in six years. It's a reason why Jalen Ramsey only been in the league for about five or six years and he's brought up in this conversation it's because those guys come around very rarely and when those guys stay at that position it is something to be marveled at because you look at guys like josh norman who was good enough in carolina to get himself a paycheck in washington but what happened when he got there he fell off revis no matter if he was with the jets or the bucks or the patriots he was Darrell Revis. No matter if Jalen Ramsey was with the Jaguars or he's now with the Rams, he's still the same person. There's a reason why. These guys are so celebrated as they are. It's because they only come around every few years. So everybody is not going to be like that. So that is the main reason why I tell people to kind of Switch up their judgment and their thought patterns when it comes to cornerback play. Because here's the thing. We have to be careful to start and make sure that we don't believe that that is something that is supposed to be an everyday occurrence. You know, like, because it's not. It's not. You know, like, they, 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 they put those guys on television they put their interviews on, on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, every other um, sports network. And we hear these guys talking and talking trash and they shutting down the field. And we fall in love with that type of attitude, that bravado, that, that, that confidence. But those guys are so celebrated because it doesn't come around every day. It doesn't. Kevin says if they get Kirkpatrick at a good price, they have to sign him. Yeah, uh, you definitely want to sign him. But to me, this is looking like a one-year, two-year deal. If that's true, how come we haven't signed Sherman? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he's talking to Jamal on that one. Uh, Kevin, they should bring Swearinger back. I agree with that one. I agree with that one. Uh, Debo better than Kirkpatrick? Could be. Could be. Debo hasn't played in the NFL yet, so that remains to be seen. But he has the upside and the skill and ability to be that. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, Sherman maybe not or wants to come here. It may not be financial. I don't know, Jamal. I don't know if it's not financial. I'm hearing, I'm hearing things about him not wanting to sign until training camp. That's what I'm hearing. I, I'm, I'm not sure how true that is, but – We'll see. Who that TJ Hoberry one staying cool is roasting hot out here. Out chimp. 
Yeah, man, it was a little hot out here. Um, me and my wife uh, took her to breakfast this morning uh, out here in Myrtle Beach, and uh, yeah, it was a little hot out there. We sat outside and ate breakfast um, at this restaurant, but yeah, it was pretty humid out here, I must say. It's because it, it's been raining all weekend. It's supposed to rain today. It's, um, you know, overcast out here. D. Rice says, real talk. TJ, Jamal says, I see you. Tyrese said Drake Kirkpatrick was a first round pick and didn't prove he can be a lockdown corner since day one. Tyrese, I never, I honestly, I never thought this dude as a shutdown corner. And maybe I'm just naive, but I watched this guy a lot. This was during the time when Mark Ingram and uh, Richardson and all them boys was at uh, Alabama. I never looked at him as a shutdown corner. I just looked at him as a tall, linky, skinny, long arm cornerback. And that's the way I look at him. He reminds me of, of uh, C.J. Henderson. That's who he reminds me of. Now, C.J. Henderson, I mean, you know, did decent out there in uh, Jacksonville. But um, that's who he reminds me of. I saw many third and ones and showing through the ball, which was asinine. Uh, I was watching Big Low Country Show. You be cutting up, fam. <laughs> uh rose city og i give them headaches they want uh wanted to block me <laughs> hey tj i believe Jameis winston be our quarterback because everybody keeps saying we need aaron Rodgers. but i told them Jameis our future uh rj first off anybody is calling for aaron Rodgers, and at the same brett start talking about the same salary cap i think that that's just absolutely ridiculous uh, I think that you need to rip up your football credential because somebody tell me how that makes sense. OK, that's like somebody going out shopping for a mansion when you got two dollars in your bank account. It makes absolutely no sense. Stop wasting your time. All right. You can't on one hand want the saints to move heaven and earth and talk about, oh, they need Aaron Rodgers and then say, whoa, is me. It'll set the team back. Who the hell is he going to throw to in the years coming? Then, If they go out here and they try to sign him. That makes no sense, okay? I want a Ferrari. Well, I really don't. I'm just using this as an example. I want a Ferrari, but I can't. I can't afford it, right? What am I supposed to do? I supposed to hawk everything that I have, you know, and not have anything else but a Ferrari? That makes no freaking sense. Here's the reality of it: Who that nation? Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. One of those guys are going to be our quarterback. Deal with it. Deal with it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing the Saints want to do about it. There's not going to be a, a, a midnight hour quarterback acquisition that is going to change uh, the Saints' fortunes as you see. It. The Saints feel like what they have inside of the locker room right now is good enough. And guess what, folks? As much as I love doing the State of the Saints podcast, as much as I like to, uh, beat on my chest of being pretty damn good at what I do, I am not smarter or I don't know the ins and outs of the organization better than anybody that's in that same organization. So if they're okay with it and they're watching these guys, like we sitting up here watching TV and body language and and, and guys, you know what I'm saying, creating storylines in order for them to have Monday morning quarterback on Twitter. But here's the thing. We're not watching these guys come into the building at four in the morning. We're not watching these guys watch tape. 
We're not seeing these guys dissect plays. We're not watching these guys inside of Metairie when they go inside to run some of these plays. We're not watching these guys walk through. We're not watching these guys' habits. We're not seeing who's the first one to come in and the last one to leave. We don't know that. We only can make assumptions. And you know what happens when you make assumptions. We will never know more than what this organization knows. So if they're telling us that they feel like we can roll with one of these guys to be our starting quarterback, guess what? Until those guys go out there and lay an egg and fail, then we can sit up here and say, man, I don't know about this organization because I feel like this is totally unfair. It's totally not right for anybody to feel that we can't win what what we have. When years pass, over the last two years, we have shown, as an organization, the Saints have shown, as an organization, that they can win in spite of any circumstance. Oh, we, we lost Drew, man. We, we don't know what we're going to do. Teddy Bridgewater won five straight. Oh, that don't mean nothing? Why is it that Carolina felt like he was a failure out there? Why is he playing in Denver? So you can, like, honestly, for him going to Carolina and them giving up on him quickly, to me, and I like Teddy Bridgewater, for Carolina to give up on this guy quickly and trade him so fast, what did that say about the Saints? That means the Saints got the best that they can get out of that dude. He won five games, got him, got himself paid $60 million to a team that felt in one year they couldn't do nothing with this dude. Taysom Hill, oh, he a tight end. Oh, he a running back. Oh, he just a guy masquerading as a quarterback. Won three games, lost one. But yet we sitting up here talking about we need to get this, that, and the third. When are we going to start trusting the team? Huh? When, when are we going to start trusting the New Orleans Saints organization? When are we going to start believing that this team can get the job done in spite the circumstances and, and looking at it and saying, damn, we got some good coaching on this staff. Maybe I just need to stop tripping and start believing in what I'm seeing. It's not like it's not like we ain't see this or nothing, right? It's like if somebody said, man, okay, hell is coming. The, the, the news reports say hell is coming was coming hell is coming was coming or whatever like that right we look up in the sky we see hell is coming we go up and we tell our friends who probably didn't see it we probably see it you know what i'm saying family members who didn't see it guess what i know for a fact i've seen hell is coming because i was out there when it happened you seen that the saints can be successful without drew Brees. you saw it you saw it so what are we tripping about like why we do we have to move heaven and earth the moon and the stars to try to find somebody when we don't even know how this situation is going to pan out yet that's all i'm saying what are we doing we are losing our minds over stuff that we have seen let's just let's just give let's just give the organization credit Let's, let's just give them opportunity. Week five, week six, week seven, hell. Well, let's just go a little further. 10, 12, 14, then we can have this conversation. If Taser Mill goes out there fumbling football all over the place, if he's a starter, then let's have this conversation. If, if Jameis goes out there throwing interceptions left and right, let's have this organization. But all of this stuff right now, 
is, is, is speculation. And it's stuff that has been orchestrated in your mind. This is, this is what's going on in your mind. We're killing ourselves who that nation. We're killing ourselves. We are killing ourselves. We are killing ourselves tripping. Ken Arthur, thank you very much for the $5. Said, TJ, do you see us being a top 15 defense and a top 10 offense? People are sleeping on the amount of talent we have. I see us being 13 and 4, 12 and 5 without injury. Ken Arthur, thank you very much for the $5. Uh, top, t- top 15, yes, yes. That's not hard to do. That's just me in the middle of the pack um, as far as defense. Offense, top 10, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you still have talented offensive players. You still have a really talented offensive line. And it's hard for me. Like, it's hard for me. I'm recording this show June 7th, 2021, for all those people that's not checking it out live. It's hard for me today to believe that the Saints can't get the job done. I'm sorry. I got I got that much hope, that much faith in the coaching staff. I do. Call me naive, call me crazy. But I got faith. I got faith in this coaching staff because it showed, it has shown me, it has shown me who that nation, that they can get the job done no matter what the circumstances is. No matter if a quarterback goes down, linebacker goes down, running back goes down, two cornerbacks go down, special teams player go down, defensive player go down, offensive linemen go down. They have shown me. I mean, Tyron Arm, Tyron Armstead got hurt. Ryan Ramchek got hurt. Uh, Alvin Kamara got hurt. We lost Mark Ingram. Um, Traquan Smith left. Michael Thomas been out most of the season. Uh, we lost two cornerbacks. Uh, Quan Alexander wasn't always there, but he got hurt. I mean, come on, man! Like, what? What? What more do we need? What more do we need, man? That, that's that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm from Brazil. This guy uh, tried to punch DK Metcalf. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we don't can I don't condone violence here on the State of the Saints podcast. But uh, yeah, if, if a guy has a mean streak, if he's tough, he's physical. I can roll with. Him. I can roll with. Him. Dada, thank you very much for being a, a supporter. Says I agree, TJ. All the hate like the team and uh, is Jacksonville and never had a winning record. Yeah, um, I just think that we we have programmed ourselves to believe that the team is hopeless without Drew. I'm going to say that again. We have programmed ourselves to believe that the team is hopeless without Drew. And some of us I can understand, right? I mean, I'm 34. I've been a Saints fan my entire life. I see my big brother EJ up in here. He can attest to this. We've been Saints fans since the 90s. We have seen some dark ages. And some of you probably checked out the podcast I did with my two brothers on Memorial Day. I mean, we've seen some dark days. So there hasn't been a lot of prosperity that didn't involve Drew. But I think when you start looking at it in that sense, you deprive and rob yourself out of the opportunity to see how much this team has grown. The leaders that have developed on this team over the course of time. The leadership that can get this team where they need to be. 
and I get it. I'm gonna miss Drew as well as the next man. I don't care what anybody said, man. You don't like Drew. Whatever. I'm gonna miss Drew Brees, but I'm a Saints fan. Always, I always have been, always will be. I've been a Saints fan I, before I even knew who Drew Brees was. I was a Saints fan. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, what, what, what the hell is a deal breaker? I have no deal breakers. All I have is going into every season is hope and faith that this team can get the job done. They have proven that they can get the job done. Good enough for me to believe they're going to at least be formidable. They can at least be formidable, man. Freddie says, TJ, I don't think our problem has been the coaching. Instead, I believe our problem has been hanging to players like PJ, Sean's friend or defense. Freddie. Um, Freddie, I understand. All right. Smoke like brisket, burnt like a biscuit. PJ Williams has been throughout his time with the New Orleans Saints. Guy couldn't stop traffic with a stop sign. Guy get beat like a rug on a on a clothesline. I get it. But here's the thing, man. When I look at a guy like PJ Williams playing on the Saints team, and yet the Saints for the last four years have had the best record in a regular season, it's hard for me to think that that is the guy that's holding the team back. Especially when I'm looking at the, the depth chart and I'm looking at his playing time diminished over the course of time and he only really gets a lot of playing time when somebody is hurt so i understand you don't want pj williams on the outside you don't want him nowhere near the outside but to think that he is the guy that's holding the team back i have to say i disagree what's been holding this team back who that nation i've said this earlier in the show it's the new orleans saints inability to create the kill shot to take out the opposition in the postseason the biggest issue is them starting late and not being able to capitalize on mistakes but if i can look at all three it would be the inability to create a kill shot when you have a quarterback who can't get the ball over people's heads and he can nickel and dime it. Guess what? The clock is running. That's not points being scored. The ball is being matriculated down the field. But the score is 10 nothing. Score is 310. The score is 17-13. Guess what? It gives this team an opportunity to get back in the game. If this was like classic Saints when Drew Brees can throw that ball down the field and they up by three touchdowns by halftime, then I feel like you, you have yourself something. But to me, that, that's, that's been a big issue. I, it's hard. Like, I get it, man. P.J. Williams, not the best cornerback in the world. But for me to say that he is the main sole reason, I can't. J-Rock, thank you very much for the $10 says to all those people who talk about Jameis and his interceptions. Think about this. Jameis didn't have a top five O-line in Tampa, nor did he have arguably the best all-around back in the game. He has those here. J-Rock, thank you very much. That is absolutely true. We can 
look at Jameis Winston and we can say stuff like, oh, he didn't have this. He can have that. Look, the skepticism behind Jameis Winston is warranted. And I like Jameis. You know, I, I like Jameis a lot. But he knows it. And I don't feel bad by saying this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel bad by saying this about Jameis because guess what? Who that nation? He knows. Jameis Winston has been on camera, has been on television, and telling you that he has played below average. This is his words. He said this. So I don't feel bad when I say I understand people's skepticism because I do. I get it. I get it, who that nation. I understand. We want instant gratification we want something that has been proven to work that let's just let, man let's just let's just cut the bull we want something that works that has proven to work nobody wants to go to a dealership and you know what I'm saying and purchase a car and just because the car has a good little turtle wax on it and it's shining and it just so happened to be your favorite color Nobody's going to get that car if they raise up the hood and look at the end and say, you know what? They ain't got no engine up in here. But I like the way you shine that car, right? We want something that works. If you give me a nice little turtle wax shine, good color, good engine, good good everything, it, it pans out. Where the freak do I sign? But when you don't, but when you don't, you don't who that nation. When you don't know if it worked, it scares you. When, when you don't know if you can be able to get down the street, it bothers you. You want a short thing. Drew Brees was a short thing. Right? Getting getting a, a guy like a Mac Jones. He proved that he's a national champion. That's a short thing. We want a sure thing. But guess what, who that nation? Just because. A piece of coal doesn't come out shining. Don't mean that it can't be a diamond. I mean, it takes time. It takes pressure. It takes heat. It takes the acknowledgement. You know what I'm saying? Like in order for it to shine. I'm not ready to write this guy off because there's still an opportunity for him to change the narrative. And people say, and people say it all the time, right? You look at AA meetings, they say the first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. That's why everybody stand up and say, my name is such and such and I'm an alcoholic. Why? Because you're bringing that to light. You're acknowledging that. Jameis Winston acknowledged that he was not very good. He acknowledged that. He acknowledged he had to eliminate the interception. To me, that's the first step. That's the first step. Tori, what's going on? Thank you for being here. Shouts out to Tori, man. Tori. Uh, see, Malik says every time uh, Jameis had a top five defense and run game, he went on five game win streaks. Malik got a lot of Jameis Winston supporters out here. But like I said, I, I understand people's skepticism and I can't take that away from them. And me personally, everything that I'm saying about Jameis is my own personal opinion. This is mine. OK, I'm not here to change anybody's mind. You know, if you feel that way and you have to wait till the season starts. 
more power to you. But as for me, I'm going to reserve my judgment. Vinny Testaverde had the same problem that Jameis had turning the ball over when Vinny played under Bill Parcells in 98. He stopped turning the ball over and threw more touchdowns than interceptions. I wouldn't want to compare him to Vinny Testaverde, but, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying, Donald. You know, Vinny and the Jets. Yeah, man, but look, if he – if he can cut down on the turnovers, he'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. Jameis is going to cut down the turnovers and throw touchdowns. I agree with that. Peyton don't think uh, he have a problem with his play calling. I don't think either. I don't think he believes that. But I do think that he had to be a little bit careful with the play calling over the last couple of years. Uh, how did the NFL add an extra game but then increase the 53-man roster? Good question. Good question. Probably something they're going to come up with uh, down the line. Malik said, yes, sir. Donald says, yep. Uh, Piano Dean says, I think Jameis touchdown pass during the trick play last season is a sign of great things to come. I totally have faith in the team. I do too, Piano Dean. That's a good way of looking at it. Like that optimism, my friend. Kai says, hey, TJ, who's our defensive coordinator is? Uh, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen is still our defensive coordinator, Kai. Gickert just says, because the NFL can, unfortunately. Yeah, the NFL can do whatever they want. So pay players the right amount of money and, and take care of these players with concussions. But uh, Kevin says, watch the long ball come to the offense, not dink and dunk. And I think that's the element that was missing, Kevin. You know, the element of surprise is, is there now. It helped the Saints tremendously in the past with, with Drew. It's going to help them in the future, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, Michael, uh, thank you very much for $5. Says, everyone forget Drew was a gunslinger. I remember was at the Atlanta game when he threw four interceptions in uh, Winston Trust Hill. Uh, no thank you. Uh, much please move. Uh, actually, Mike, I don't think he threw four. I, threw, I think he threw five. And that was on a Thursday night. That was on Thursday night football. I think he threw five interceptions in that game. Yeah, he was horrible. He was horrible that night. I don't know what was going on with him. Must have must have some issues going on. I don't know, but that was the worst game since since the last game he played. The Ego King is the best coach this division has experienced in the last twenty years. But I certainly think those two times Roger Goodell down on him really messed with his head. Drew gone will level him out. Well, me personally, I think the last couple of years has been. Uh, kick uh the kicks da vinci I, I feel like his last couple years has has been some of his best coaching jobs i, I really do hey man i want to uh, move on real quick man because not only are we uh on the state of the saints we're also on the state of the game podcast and i, I encourage everybody to check out the state of the game podcast available um on youtube as well and i want to talk about this man because um i'm pretty sure a lot of people out there saw the fight um, they saw the fight between um, what was that Logan Paul and uh, uh, you know, was it Logan Paul or Jake Paul? I can't remember. Whatever one of them, Paul brothers going up against uh, Floyd Mayweather. All right, and um, you know, I didn't watch the fight. Um, I didn't watch the fight. I, I wasn't. I, I did not watch uh, that fight at all. Um, first off, anybody that knows me, uh, been friends with me for a long time, y'all know I'm a big time boxing fan. I love boxing. I love boxing is my second love. Like when it comes to sports, uh, it's football, boxing, and then basketball. All right. I love boxing. My grandfather, um, huge, 
huge, huge boxing fan. Huge boxing fan. He used to order all the fights, all the fights. And what I'm thinking about, man, go ahead, somebody, everybody put the thumbs up, man. Go ahead, um, like the, you know, like the podcast. If you love Stay the Saints podcast, Stay the Game podcast, put the thumbs up, please. I appreciate that. Um, but my grandfather he used to order all the fights, all the Tyson, all the Holyfield fights, uh, all the Riddick Bowl fights, um, um, Hasin Rockmine, heavy when when the heavyweight division was at an all-time high. George Foreman, when he knocked out Michael Moore, I remember my grandfather ordering that fight. Uh, when Holyfield fought Tyson and, and Tyson bit his ear, my grandfather ordered that fight. So what I'm saying is I've been a fan of boxing for a very long time. And I have to say, sports fans, Saints fans, everybody's listening, I'm, I'm very discouraged at what I see going on in the sport of boxing. I, I am, man. I am very very discouraged about what's going on in the sport of boxing. First off, when you have a guy like Floyd Mayweather, which you can have your opinions about Floyd all you want to, but Floyd, to me, is arguably the greatest fighter of all time. You can talk about he run around the ring. You can talk about how much he hold, and he don't really want to throw no punches and all that kind of stuff, but the dude is really good at what he does. And when I feel like he, who is a, a surefire Hall of Famer, won all type of different belts in different weight classes, and then you got him taking on a guy who is known for being popular from YouTube. It's a disgrace to the sport of boxing. It is. It's a disgrace to the sport of boxing. And not only is it a disgrace, it depreciates the value of boxing. It depreciates it. It, it does not give it value. When you have guys like this going up against each other. Now, some people would say, man, shouts out to, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. I think his name is Roger. But I ended up having a, a conversation with him on uh, on Facebook. I want to make sure I get this guy's name. I won't give him his credit. Y'all apologize. But it was a guy that I was having a conversation with. And his name is Reggie. Yeah, shouts out to Reggie. I was having a conversation with him. And he was talking about, well, you know, I want to see fighters that are good fight against other good fighters. And maybe we wouldn't have this problem. Here's the issue. You don't want to know why we don't see the best of the best fight each other in boxing like they do in UFC and MMA, contact sports like that. The reason why is because we have adjusted ourselves to believe if a guy does not have a zero by his loss column, he no longer has value. He no longer has value. When you have guys like Floyd Mayweather, who has never lost a fight, and he walks around here and he gets in the ring and he beats every single person that he touches, automatically every single person automatically thinks that that is the standard. So therefore, if a guy does does lose, he no longer has that mystique. He no longer has that value. He's no longer worth the price of admission. And those guys see that. They see that. They see that. They understand it. And that's the reason why you get a lot of these guys ducking and dodging one another. And that's one of the reasons why you see their promoters ducking and dodging one another because they know if that fighter gets into the ring with another promoter's fighter or another fighter 
they will lose their value. These guys see that. It's not like how it was when Muhammad Ali was fighting. People still talk about Muhammad Ali being the greatest fighter of all time. Lost four or five times. George Foreman, one of the greatest. Joe Frazier, one of the greatest. Uh, you know, um, man, Joe Lewis, one of the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys were great, but they lost. But now it's like, we hear songs like, I ain't taking no loss. We say stuff like, I ain't taking no L. I ain't got no L's. To, I, I ain't losing. All of a sudden, they get into their mind, and now all of a sudden, they're ducking and dodging. And then another thing, bro, we got to stop accepting what people just give us. When we realize that something is not a value, why do we buy into it? Floyd Mayweather, and, and look, I, I have I have it up for you all. I have it up for you all. It's an interview. You check it out, State of Saints on Twitter. And also on a, uh, it's also on State, it's going to be on State of Saints. Uh, I know it's different. You know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's not Saints related, but it's going to be on there. But it was Floyd Mayweather having a press conference. And the dude basically said, that I just robbed everybody out their money. We got to stop this, man. Like anytime somebody give you this Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant type press conference, all of a sudden, oh man, I got to see this. Like, why? I get it, man. It's the it's the thrill of it, right? It's the suspense. But at the same time, man, we got to do better. We got to expect better. We got to, we got to want better. We got to want better, man. We can't, like, come on, man. Like, I love boxing. Me, I, I'm looking forward to that Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao fight. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder third fight. I'm looking forward to stuff like that. I don't care if who wins or who loses. I just want to see a good fight. I don't want to see a good fight, man. I don't care who wins or loses. I don't feel like that loses the value. Deontay Wilder lost to Tyson Fury the last time he fought, but it don't make me change my opinion on Deontay Wilder. I still think he got the right hand of God. He can knock you out cold. I still want to see it fight. Brother coming from Alabama started out working at KFC. Now, you know what I'm saying, put himself in a position, make millions of dollars, and he entertains you. Now, he could have easily went like, man, I ain't fighting Tyson Fury no more. Let me go out here and get this bag, fight some of these other tomato can heavyweights or whatever the value man if everybody thought like deontay wilder thugs or tyson fury does boxing would be all right do we like that and that's another thing why why don't we care the same way like we do in ufc like you know man like we don't care like like we look at these guys you know like Uzman and all the mother cat you know like we don't care if these guys win or lose a fight we don't care so why does it matter in boxing? But like I say, I just feel like that whole situation was a disgrace. I, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, man. I, I, I couldn't. I didn't have it in me. But I'll read a few uh, comments and and feel free, man. I know, like I said, I know it's a Saints podcast. I get it. Probably lost a couple of y'all. That's fine. That's fine. But like I said, this is on like the State of the Game podcast page and all that other stuff. So I just want to make sure that I acknowledge that. Some of y'all are probably not boxing fans. I'm fine with that, but I just wanted to acknowledge this. Saints uh, uh, Slim South says uh, when a boxer lost a fight, 
they came back stronger. And that's the thing, Slim. Did you did you did it change your mind about how you thought about the fighter? No, didn't. It did not. Lennox Lewis used to lose fights all the time, come back, knock the guy out. I think Lennox Lewis holds the record. He he beat every guy that he got you know into the ring with, right? Even if he loses, he gets the rematch. He always wins the rematch. He became the king of the rematch. I didn't care. Still watch Lennox Lewis. Still watch Mike Tyson. Still watch Van Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, Larry Holmes, George Fon. I still watch them dudes, man. Didn't didn't matter. Logan Paul was squatting flies when he did swing. I didn't even see the fight. I'm going to take your word for it, Jamal. Tyson says when he boxed, he was looking to kill compared to now straight entertainment. Look, I don't want nobody to die. I don't want nobody to die, you know, but I do want if a guy grew up, groomed himself to be a boxer, the guy on the other side of the ring to do the same thing. Floyd the GOAT. Uh, Floyd is definitely, you know, greatest defensive fighter of all time. Greatest, you know what I'm saying? I still think Muhammad Ali is the greatest fighter of all time. And we talking about records and all that kind of stuff and success and, you know what I'm saying? And maybe the, the, a capitalist. Yes, absolutely. He's the greatest of all time. But I just think that Muhammad Ali, what he stood for, who he was as a human being makes him the best. It, it just, you know, to me. But I mean, Floyd Mayweather definitely is 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 up there. Is up there to me. Holyfield lost fights and came back. Yep. You know, and I, and I don't even have nothing against Floyd Mayweather. I don't. I don't have nothing against him. I don't think that nothing. Yeah, you know, I don't think nothing about Floyd Mayweather. I don't. I, look, Floyd Mayweather. I got so much respect for him because he was with uh, Bob Arum with HBO Scott fought like maybe one or two fights for free in order to buy his rights. And when he did that, he was able to name his price. I respect that. When got in the ring with some of the best the world had to offer Canelo Alvarez, Manny Pacquiao, uh, you know, like man, just Miguel Cotto, uh, Sugar Shane Mosley, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. He got in the ring with all these cats, man, and beat him. So, I want to say I want to say he got in there with Camacho too, if I'm mistaken. I mean, just all type of great talent. But I I, I just would like guys. I, I just don't want them to to get into this lane where we just start devaluing boxing. Yeah, he's on the top of boxing now. I mean, yeah, he he on top of boxing, but I think. I think to me, for him to come out here and basically tell people that he finessing them, I think, I don't know, I think this might be a last fight. <laughs> Anybody notice how many Pelican players are in the play? <laughs> yeah, if you're looking at the Bucks, definitely. Um, but uh, thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints and the State of the Game podcast. I appreciate that. And if uh, please hit the like button if you enjoyed the State of the Saints podcast. If you enjoyed the show, uh, go ahead and uh, like. Uh, also, subscribe if you're new to the channel. Uh, you can also check out previous episodes available on Facebook.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. 
iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, and also the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com, the official sponsor of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, you can save 20% off of the Lawnmower 4.0 as well as other Manscaped items. Go to Manscaped.com, search State of the Saints. That's all one word, State of Saints, and uh, you will save 20% off. Thank you all so much. Y'all take care of yourself. This has been a good show, man. Thank you all so much for being here. Like always, all I got to say is, who that?